You scared Oliver. Our mission, to explore new ideas, to seek out new thoughts and new opinions, to boldly opine where no millennials have opined before. This is the Next Next Generation Podcast. Make it so. Welcome back to the Next Next Generation Podcast. I'm Catherine. And I'm Charles. And today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 10, Hide and Q! (laughs) Yes, Q is back. Yeah. What did you think about this episode? Q! Oh, I already did that part. Okay. I thought it was great. I really liked Q as a character, and it was awesome to see him back in action, messing with Picard, trolling Riker. Some fantastic scenes, some fantastic storytelling, some great character development in this episode, and I thoroughly enjoyed the ride. Not a perfect episode by any means, but a fun one, and there were some laugh-out-loud moments, really great acting, and a few key scenes. I can't wait to talk about it. I liked it, in theory, better than an execution. Q was hilarious. Like, truly very funny. Yes. Like you mentioned, the laugh out loud moments. Mm -hmm. I was laughing out loud, and I don't do that very much. No, you don't. No. The actor who plays him is so funny. He has great comedic timing. John DeLance. Mm -hmm. He's also in Breaking Bad. He's Jessica Jones's dad (laughs) who crashes those planes over Albuquerque. Spoilers. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. But he's so great in this role. He really gives it the full weight. His acting ability. Yes. He doesn't just say, oh, this is a silly sci-fi role. Kind of like Patrick Stewart does. You know, he's putting his all into it. You can really tell. At the beginning of the episode, Mm -hmm. they warn us right away, Troy's not here. (laughs) She had to take a vacation on her home planet of actors need a day off sometimes. (laughs) Yes. And they're on their way to answer an urgent medical call. 504 people injured in a mining accident at the Federation colony on the Sigma-3 solar system. A very harrowing situation. They have to go save the day like they do because they're Starfleet. Mm -hmm. They're rushing to get there as fast as possible. On the way, they get stopped, cut off by the Q. Yes, the Q. Continuum. They emphasize even more than the first time, I think, Mm -hmm. that there's some kind of collective consciousness. Yeah. And he's just... A manifestation of it, I think. As a collective, it's very playful. Well, that's what I was thinking. He's a playful version of it. Mm. It's, he's not the sum total of it. Yeah, he's just a part or a faction of it, it seems. In fact, by the end of the episode, I was thinking, on the whole, they're more serious than he is. Yeah. Yeah. I got that impression. He seemed like he was in trouble at the end yeah, there. Yeah. Uh-huh. That he had done the wrong thing and that they were collectively mad at him. And they also made it clear that they're worried, the Q is worried about humans and Mm -hmm. their development, which if Q were the Q, (laughs) as we know him, Mm -hmm. I doubt he would care. Yeah, I don't think he takes anything seriously. No, he wouldn't worry, but they seem worried as a group. They're not him. He's not them. Which I guess is why he was commissioned or tasked to go after the Starfleet and go after the Enterprise and interject much to the annoyance of both Picard, and to a certain extent, Riker. Yeah. So he shows up as an orb with Mm. three serpent heads, (laughs) which he does identify as an Aldebaran serpent. Good note taking. And then, yes, thank you. Mm. 
And then he turns into a Starfleet Admiral. Which I loved. Starfleet Admiral Q. Mm. Quite a mouthful. That is. But then he outranks Picard, so I guess he can do what he wants. Speaking of ranks, how later in the episode, when they're on the planet that he sends them to, he turns into a French marshal, which is even higher ranking than the admiral or captain. Yes. Well, he says he wouldn't go down. He would only go up. Of course he would. Yeah. Marshals are in charge of like all the military branches, right? Or something? I believe so. Okay, we'll cut that out then so we don't look stupid. Like a Napoleon Bonaparte level of control. Yeah, he's definitely channeling Napoleon. Totally. He's on the bridge. Mm Mm-hmm. It's very funny. Worf is always trying to attack him, even though I don't know what he thinks he could possibly do. I think that's just a Klingon thing, right? Must be. That, you know, you might as well try, even if you know there's no chance of success. They're always combative. That's their first and last defense, I think. Best Mm -hmm. defense is an offense kind of idea. Uh, Yeah. mm -hmm. And he lunges forward, phaser drawn, ready to take action against the Q. Of course, Picard tells him no. He is very upset. Worf really hates the uncertainty and trickster nature of Q the most out of everyone. Well, Worf is a very driven person in that he has a very strict Klingon code that he follows. He has a lawful nature to him. He Mm -hmm. wants there to be rules and has a clear structure and hierarchy to how he bears himself. And I think that Q is the complete opposite of that. He is pure chaos. He is the embodiment of random unpredictability, mm-hmm. and in a typical sort of trickstery, impish fashion, he really probably gets underneath Worf's skin because of the difference in their nature. Yeah. On a fundamental level. Yeah. This episode had the most Worf so far. Yes. But it was a Riker episode, really. Mm-hmm. Picard is really annoyed that <laughs> Q is there. Picard tells Q, we're doing something important. Go away. Not now. This is not the time. Riker just seems entertained, though. At first, oddly, he's, he's just taking it in and yeah. seems completely chill and relaxed about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. He gets a little bit more biting and edgy with his tone, but it seems like he's more reacting to Picard than he's reacting to Q itself. He seems amused by the situation completely, and I agree. I think that he is not taking it terribly serious, but again, I think that's a reflection of Riker's personality. He's not scared. I think he doesn't take Q seriously because Q showed that he just plays with them. He doesn't actually, he's not a real threat. So he's just drawing on his past experience with his interaction with Q? Yeah, Ah. that's what I think. I think maybe he's the most like Q of the characters that were involved. He's the most chaotic that way. The most chaotic, yeah. Q offers to help them realize their impossible dreams. The Q Collective, or whatever they are. Continuum. I thought that was their location where they existed he called the continuum consortium the q he says were impressed with their first encounter with the humans in encounter at farpoint we don't know if that's really true (laughs) that's just what he's saying at this point i thought he was impressed i thought so too and actually we can talk about this now i think he does some lip service for picard being stodgy and too stuck in the uh i was gonna say the empire (laughs) too stuck in starfleet's ways Because of their last encounter, he respects Picard and has kind of tested him, done his testing already and found him fine and has kind of moved on. His ultimate plan for Riker would never work on Picard. No. Q already knows that. Whatever respect looks like (laughs) in a chaotic being like Q, 
right? He hasn't for Picard. He doesn't even let Picard be part of the game. Because he'll ruin it. Case, Yeah, he just keeps him locked aboard the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. And he has to separate Riker from Picard's influence. Right. In doing that, he's acknowledging that Picard is mentally strong enough to actually go toe-to-toe with him and mess things up for him. Yeah. Where the other crew members aren't. I think that's really well demonstrated in the upcoming scene where there is the Shakespeare off. Mm -hmm. And we see not only Picard's mastery of the past, but his ability to utilize the words from Hamlet to best Q. Mm -hmm. And that shows, like you were saying, his mental prowess and ability to go toe-to-toe with him. Because he does so literally with the words they are saying and delivering. Yeah, that seems Fantastic scene, by the way. It was my favorite one in the episode. Yes, it was very good. What I like that that shows about Q Mm -hmm. is that even though he physically overpowers the rest of them on the planet, he's willing to let Picard do battle with him, if you will, just with his mind, which is the only way Picard could possibly do battle with him. Mm -hmm. Like he accepts Picard's limitations as a human in their interaction. He doesn't just force his hand and say, well, haha, I can just kill you right now. And what can you do? No, that's not what he's doing. No, he wants to best him on his own level, I yeah. think. Tries to show that he's superior one at a time. Yeah. For instance, when Yar sort of takes the initiative and also is very hostile and physical, he's mm-hmm. a very physical person, Yeah. and he immediately banishes her. That's a very physical action. He removes her from the space in which they're in, mm-hmm. and he takes her at her level, which is a physical level. He removes her and puts her in that penalty box. And the same way with Worf, he gives him soldiers to fight, physical creatures. you're right. Riker, of course, is more complex. He's tempting him and using his passion and his, perhaps, as we see and learn, his love of power. I really like it when, in stories like this, beings of great power don't just trample all over everyone. Yeah. They're not just indiscriminately murdering and stuff. He's not just bent on killing people even though he doesn't really care if someone happens to die he's not out to kill people he's more in it for the the, the game games of it. yeah yeah mm. segway someone was it picard who said the word game that was foolish <laughs> <sighs> picard isn't perfect yeah picard was like we don't want to play your games right isn't that what he said something to that effect to that effect and q was like Yes, a game. <laughs> Excellent <laughs> idea. And then he just whisks them away. <laughs> yes. It's very funny. Uh, Q point. is very sassy. Oh, so at sassy. The beginning. So salty. Oh, so funny. Mm. To the point where it seems like he's trying a little too hard. What they're starting to realize about humans that we find out later has made it more hard on humans. So they get to the planet. Yes. It's a standard issue planet. <laughs> it's rocky. With green. Sky. Yeah, greenish sky. That was cool. Yeah. Kind of like a green screen. Somehow still safe for them to breathe. Class M, I'm assuming. Well, but we're assuming it has different atmospheric composition. For the color Because of the different color, yeah. Yeah. It could still have oxygen, though. Yeah. Could be yellow dust kicked into the blue sky Mm. and tinting it green. I could see that. Mm -hmm. The rocks were kind of an orange-ish yellow tint. And then they turn around. Mm Mm-hmm. And Q is there in a military tent. Dressed as a marshal, like we mentioned. Yes. Very surreal. It was at that moment that I noticed the music for the first time, really, in the episode. Of course, the music is always there and present. The entrance of the snare drum in the background that was like, ah, 
military and given his dress and the tent and the regalia, it made sense and I thought it was a nice touch. Later, of course, echoing that, there was the moment when they see the French soldiers that Q apparates and <laughs> apparates. Yeah. Uh-huh. the French national anthem starts to sound mm-hmm. in the trumpets. And that was kind of cool, too. Worf goes and finds those soldiers. He does. And this is before Q has explained what's up to Riker and to Captain Picard kind of separately. I said surreal before. It's very surreal. Yes. Because you're on this planet that's barren. Then you have this military setting from a really elaborate time in Earth history. Very You know, the late 1700s, early 1800s. It's very fancy Mm -hmm. and formal. And then you think these soldiers are human, and when they get close, they're not. So it's two things that are incongruous, layered on each other. It's very nightmarish. It made me think of the same tone they struck when they got to that planet with the Ferengi, when they met the Ferengi for the first time with the big crystals. And all the storm. Yeah, they were all scattered around, and everyone was just kind of there. And that was also Riker. Right. It's like something from his nightmare. Everyone's so calm about something so horrifying. It's very like Twilight Zone, classic horror feel. Yeah. Actually, that was very Twilight Zone-ish in this episode. Yeah, the incongruity of it. Yeah, you, you think they're human and they're not, and that's even worse somehow. Mm. Yeah, it was good. Q is interested in Riker. He is. We're starting to find out why. Slowly. What's really going on, like we alluded to earlier is that the Q is worried about humans because it looks like they're going to eventually outstrip even beings like the Q. Who have control and mastery of time and space even. Yeah, so you know what that means. means humans have a bright future. (laughs) Very bright. Resting in the back of Wesley. I didn't say that. Never mind. (laughs) He identifies humans are always changing. Yeah. And they're changeable. They're adaptable. Implying that a lot of species aren't. Maybe. Too stagnant. Yeah. Humans always want to know more, go farther. They're explorers. They're explorers. And that's what's going to be a problem. Before he explains all that, though, in the military tent, Riker gets lemonade. Yes. I thought it was a gimlet at first. And then they all get what they want in their glasses. Worf, he slowly and pointedly dumps it out and then throws it aside to break the glass. It shatters dramatically. And then I think what Q says next is most intriguing. He says to Riker, Drink not with thine enemy. A rigid Klingon code explains something of why you defeated them. Implying that Klingons don't understand diplomacy. That's a weak point. That's another advantage humans have on them. Humans are willing to... Be political. And try to find the middle ground Mm -hmm. in most situations to survive and to adapt and to change as they're striving to explore new things you can't always get along with everything mm-hmm. and everyone and you can't just attack everything though that's going to be pointless if you're always on the offensive and always being combative you're going to be draining a lot of resources that you could be expending to seek out new things i think that is also very telling again to the point earlier that klingons are driven by their moral code and by their conduct I think that's why also he gets so angry later and in that scene is so aggressive and hostile towards Q is the clash of personalities. Mm -hmm. Yar gets put in timeout. She does. Potentially deadly. So this leads to a really jarring moment. Yeah. Like, so jarring. (laughs) That we paused the episode, looked at each other and said, what? We watched it again. 
We did. We watched that scene. And yeah, it just kind of ground to a halt all the fun we were having. So Yar is freaked out because she might die. And she has no control over the situation, which she hates. Yeah, she's not unlike Worf. Not at all. I'm seeing more and more why they kill her off. They don't need two of the same no, character. No, yeah, and, and Worf is more interesting because he's an alien. He's a Klingon, yeah. Right. So Yar is understandably upset. Yes. Picard is understandably trying to be nice to her. After some hesitation, puts his hand on her shoulder. Then he holds gently the top of her arms and tells her it's okay to cry because she's very frustrated and scared. She might die. He can't do anything about it. That's not a captain situation anymore because he can't do anything as her captain. Right. She was in control. So he's being perfectly normal with Yar. Comforting. Comforting. Nice, kind, showing good leadership skills in this moment. Yeah. He's letting his guard down a little because the situation demands it. Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, if you weren't a captain. What? Seeming to mean, oh, if you weren't a captain, we could be in a romantic relationship? I guess. That's all I can take from it. That's what people say when they want to have a relationship and it can't work. That's movie shorthand or TV show shorthand for if it weren't for this one thing, we'd be together. Yeah. Super jarring, awkward. They have no chemistry. They haven't hinted at this in any way. None. And then all of a sudden she says that and he doesn't even blink. And then Q says, oh, consorting with people beneath you. Also supporting my interpretation of Yara's point. Such a badly written line. And then they just move on from it. When Q comes and interrupts their comforting session, right? he kind of explains to Picard what he's planning for Riker. And how the game is unfolding. Yeah. He's going to offer Riker something he can't refuse, and it's going to ruin them all. Picard is very convinced that Riker is up to any challenge Q has to throw at him. He has all the faith in Riker. Offers that big wager over the outcome of this game. And he is definitely throwing 100% of his support behind Riker in this moment. Then they have their Shakespeare battle. Epic. Picard wins. Totally. His brilliant quote of Hamlet said with such conviction was really beautiful. Yeah, he really sets Q back on his heels. He does. Because Q says, is that really how you see yourself? Earnestly, he says that. Mm-hmm. He's not playing anymore. Picard's like, yes, we have that potential. And that just feeds into what we then quickly after find out are the Q's fears about humans. Yeah. It was exactly the kind of thing they're anticipating. The confidence in that no matter what situation, we can overcome any obstacle together. So then that's when Data turns into Q, briefly. Very creepy. Yeah, that was something else. I didn't expect that. And he turns around and it wasn't Data. It was like, oh, very unsettling. Mm-hmm. More unsettlingness from the nightmare planet. <laughs> I agree. Q takes Riker aside, tells him he has the power. Riker is very skeptical as always. It's actually working to his advantage in this situation. Yeah, he is very skeptical of anyone who he hasn't of met anyone before. ever. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's definitely a see it to believe it kind of guy. As we have talked about in the past. Yeah. He needs to have experienced it himself for it to really count. In this moment, he is experiencing something new. And whenever there's something new or situation that he hasn't gone through before, he is distrusting as his fallback emotional stance. That's when Q explains why the Q is interested in people. Humans are so wonderful and have so much capacity. 
Honestly, it really just strokes Riker's ego, most likely. Knowing Riker and how human-centric he is. Very human-centric. <laughs> to the point that he is almost prejudiced against other races. I think he is. Yeah. Riker turns him down at that moment. But then they're in a situation with those soldiers where Riker has to use his powers to save his friends. Can we just dwell on the fact that they stabbed Wesley through the stomach and showed it on camera? This episode was really violent. Yeah. They had gone back to the ship, all except Riker, when Riker's having that conversation. Right. And then after the conversation with Q, Q brings them all back, plus Picard and Wesley. Then the soldiers come, Worf gets stabbed, and then Wesley runs over and gets stabbed. Honestly, I wasn't sure if those deaths were going to stick anyway. No. Um, oh, you think definitely not? No. They were acting so strange that there is no way that was right. There's no way Wesley would have run up to Worf while Worf was getting stabbed through the middle with a bayonet. No, that's not in his character. It's not anyone's character. When they're a child and they don't have any weapons. I agree. Yeah, he wouldn't have done that. That was very foolish of him. But it just didn't seem real at all. It's more nightmare stuff where people aren't acting right and weird things are happening. Dreamlike state. Yeah, and you can't quite believe someone just did that because they didn't. It's not real. I think when Riker uses his powers to go back to the ship, that's when they're real again. I don't even know if they were really there. It could be projections by Q. It's hard to say if those were actually his actual crew members on the planet with him. All of the jumping around and the way like Data is Q suddenly, Mm -hmm. that might all point to a test in Riker's own mind. Not all of the planet stuff, like I feel like it is in Worf's character to dump out the glass and shatter it on the ground. I think they were there for that. I think it's at least possible Riker never had powers anyway. Ooh. Q can just do it when Riker decides to do it. I could see that. I buy that. Mm -hmm. It was really Q the whole time. One thing that's smart is they don't put limits on Q's powers. That is nice. Yeah. They never make you go, oh, really? They all seem to fit together sensibly. Everything he can do, but they don't actually limit it. Mostly what we see him do is time or space related, making things appear and disappear. Potentially even from stealing them from one time part, putting it into his little reality that he's building, Mm -hmm. and then putting it back without any time having been lost. Yeah. He steals that tent, Napoleonic tent, maybe that's actually from that period, and then it pops back. Or maybe it's not really there. Who knows? Well, they mention, you know, no time has passed, they haven't moved. It could be like a pocket reality. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. It's a lateral move. Yeah, a lateral move. But he can make them at will. Maybe that's how he does everything. Possibly. Yeah. That's just how we perceive it, because that's the only part of it we see. We slash the crew members see. Like, he does something amazing immediately. Maybe they waited there a hundred years, you know, in some other timeline while he made that happen, (laughs) you know? It's impossible to say. Everything's back to normal. Or is it? Mm. Riker has the power. Maybe. He still might be tempted. And they go on their way to the mining colony. Picard makes Riker promise not to use his power. So, of course, we know that's going to be tested. Somewhat of a hollow promise, I think. Yeah, I was surprised he followed it at all. Me too. I thought for sure he would break it. Foreshadowed at the beginning of the episode that Riker has a lot of compassion for people who are suffering. This is a new development. That's why they made sure to mention it at the beginning of the episode. The only thing he's upset about 
when Q comes is Q is getting in the way of them making it to help these people at the mining colony. He's angry. More people might die or something when they're waiting around with Q and his games. After he gets over his initial amusement. Yeah, but that's what I mean. That's the only thing that got through to him. Oh, these people are waiting on us. This is terrible. Yeah. So that sets up for this part of the episode. They're going into this mining colony. People are hurt. People are dying. Will he be able to resist the power? When that scene happened, I was surprised that he went onto the planet at all. I thought for sure that Picard, having another situation, shown a great deal of keen insight mm-hmm. on his part, where he allowed Beverly to go onto the planet during justice. He could have very easily had Riker stay on the ship. I think that Riker, having made his promise not to use the power, Picard wants to treat him as normally as possible and give him the chance to use it responsibly or not. Trying to protect him from situations that could tempt him will only prolong the inevitable. It won't fix it. Up to that point, he is right. Riker doesn't use his power <laughs> on the mining planet. He doesn't, know. Um, And they show a dead kid, which was really heavy, I thought. That was very heavy. Yeah. Almost too heavy. Heavy to the point where they couldn't possibly make it heavy enough. Yeah. You know, the kid was just a temptation to Riker. Right. She didn't have her own personhood or whatever. It was just like an object at that point for Riker to do something to or not do something to. And that kind of belies how serious it was <laughs> that there was a dead child. Really undercut themselves yeah. without having any setup, telling, not showing. Mm-hmm. They didn't show any like... Even a small cutaway scene of her running through the streets. Earthquake. Next time we see her, she's dead. Something to give us an inkling of this person. We don't have any connection. Yes, as a dead child, and we have that, ooh, that's not great, and we want to fix it. That would have been a great cold open, having a little scene, her on the planet. And Mm. then it just cuts, and you're like, wait, who's that? And then when they get back to the planet, you're like, oh, no. It's that little girl who wants to go to Starfleet Academy or something. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if they have time for that. That would have been heavy. That would have been a little more cinematic, more like the way TV shows are now, like dramas are now. Yeah. More creative in the storytelling, mm-hmm. the linearity of it, and the characterization. That's probably asking too much of a show from this era. Wesley getting stabbed and then an actual dead kid. Like, this episode is kind of serious. Not pulling any punches, are they? No. Riker gets back to the ship after that. He's really mad that he made the promise. He seems almost mad at Picard. Yeah, he blames Picard, which is not a good sign that he can't see why he shouldn't use the power. When he walks back on deck and they have their little spat, Mm. the way he's standing and carrying himself is a great imitation of the way John Delancey is acting cute. Felt very similar and you could see the influence just through his body language. Then Q shows back up, of course, dun, dun, dun. as a monk Oh, with man. the accompanying music. It's hilarious. The Gregorian chant in the yes, background? Yes, yes. And then yes. he's like, let us pray. And Picard is like, no. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, but it's very funny. I love that. It's so, so random to have him do that. He is chaotic. Yeah. He reminds me of the genie from Aladdin. But more sinister. Yes. A key point Picard makes is he angrily asks Q, have you no identity of your own? Fed up with the costumes and the games, and he's so right. Q has no identity of his own. He's a manifestation. He's a projection. Yeah. He's a projection of what the Q collective thinks humans are, I think. 
they believe that humans are that chaotic and crazy. They don't know how to pinpoint a single human identity. He also changes his inflection, kind of prosaic, very archaic in some of the words he chooses, mm. using things like whom instead of who. Well, I think we talked about that in the first episode. That time scale, 800 years or something, seems significant to us, but to them it's nothing, so they can't tell the difference. I'd forgotten that, but I do yeah. like that he is so random. Joy to watch. Riker changes his mind. He's going to join the Q Collective. He can't resist that kind of power. The question of should he? Is there a problem with him doing this? Oh, is his allegiance to Starfleet, given his word to serve for a certain term, I'm sure it's like the military that way. With the power of the Q, he could easily find a way to fulfill that. He could stick on board. And or just make keep... a manifestation of his human self. Hmm, yeah. interesting. One thing about Riker is I'm not sure he's creative enough to use the power. I agree, actually. Yeah, Q mentions that a little. He's like, surely you realize you could go back to your home planet or go back to the ship or do all these things you want right now, no problem. And Riker just kind of brushes them off. He's not thinking about the kind of things he could do. No. I would just be out of there. He was very focused on the events unfolding around him in that moment because of the battle. He wasn't even thinking about how he could escape. I think he still wants to be human, Riker, and have the power. He thinks he can just continue on and also save people magically whenever he wants. You can't really do that. That will wreak havoc on society, human society. So he says he's leaving. He's peacing out. And then he says, can I give a gift? Oh, yeah. And Q laughs at him for that. Like, oh, you still think you need your captain's permission. Right. He just doesn't have the, the brain to handle this kind of power. He doesn't think right. Not the right personality for it, no. Yeah. He's not expansive enough. People who think properly like this, to use that kind of power, probably wouldn't be drawn to an organization like Starfleet with its rigid hierarchy. Probably not. Picard's like, sure, Will, you do that. I liked that they were on first name basis during the scene. Yeah, well, he called him Jean-Luc, and I was like, ooh. And Picard just gave him the look, the look of death. I've seen that look on your face before. <laughs> it is truly terrifying. Yes, well, I owe it all to Patrick Stewart and his admirable death stares. He has some killer <laughs> death stares. He doesn't make people say what they want. He just reads their minds. Now that I'm thinking about this, this is truly hilarious how he's using these powers. Yes. Like, just go, go. You're not bound by this anymore. Just go Run, away. Be free. Anyway, Beverly's trying to get Wesley out of there wisely because who knows what could happen. And Riker reads Wesley's mind and all Wesley wants is to be grown up. Hilarious. He's almost there. He's like, what, 15 or something? 14, 15, yeah. So shallow for someone that they've shown to be like Wesley. He didn't even imagine himself promoted. He got all hunky and was still wearing his ensign uniform. I which saw I that. thought was hysterical. <laughs> I thought he'd be like a captain and behind him on the wall all these degrees would sprout up and then it'd be like, Yes, I won a Nobel Prize. In astrophysics. I changed our propulsion technology. Now we just instantly teleport anywhere. Yes. And all he wants is to be taller, basically. And he still talks the same. Yes. So he sounds really dumb. That was a really funny use of voiceover. Yeah, it was. They really have him speaking like the 50s kid in a sitcom, like Leave it to Beaver. Say, I really want to go back honest. That's how he talks. He sounds like Beaver. He does. So funny. So anyway, funny, so annoying. Yeah. I thought it was hilarious coming out of that guy. 
Plus, this guy looks nothing like Will Wheaton. Oh, that too. Yeah. Nothing like that guy. He was actually more handsome when he was a teenager. <laughs> Poor thing. I can't say that about a lot of people. Harsh. He admits it. He said he was a cuter kid. He has said that in tabletop. He was. To be fair, yeah. It's just true. What can you do? So Jordy gets his sight back. He gets normal sight. And what does he remark on? Can we just skip that? No. Didn't happen. I don't know who in the writing room was so into Yar. Yeah. Someone was. He takes in the ship. There's a pretty planet. And what does he do? He turns to Yar and says, you're even more beautiful than I imagined. And more. And more. That's not possible, first of all. No. Another one that we've never seen any chemistry with. Bad writing. And it's out of nowhere. It's almost like they're trying to have this sort of shock factor. Like, oh, he's into Troy. Troy. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> that in- would have made sense. <laughs> yeah. He's into Yar. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea. You know, actually, Troy was sitting there. Let's say she was in the episode. And then he turns to her. And says, you're even more beautiful than I even imagined. It would also make sense even if it wasn't meant sexually. Right. Because Troy has such a warm presence and a beautiful voice. Yeah. And it would only make sense that he imagined a beautiful person to go with all those things. Right. But Yar is aggressive. <laughs> she's edgy. She's not beautiful. No. It's not that she's ugly. No, no. She just doesn't have that thing going on. But it's weird that that would be his one thing to do. I would have run to their observation lounge. Right? Yeah. Get a beautiful view yeah. of the sweeping stars, how majestic, how wonderful. Mm-hmm. We don't yeah. get any of that. We get him commenting awkwardly in a weird kind of hitting on way with Yar. Not in a good time and place. Like It's very tense. Just undercuts the Already. whole tension. Yeah. It's just weird. Worf gets a female Klingon. That was much better done. But she's also jealous of Yar. I did catch that. <laughs> now, that I kind of understood because she just appeared. And then who does she see? A woman with her intended immediately. Like, yeah. she's right there. So that I could understand. I could see that, Although too. it is funny. All the sexual energy in this episode is focused on Yar. That is surprising. Could have easily been no sexual energy in this episode. <laughs> and they just threw some in. Worf is like, yeah, this is sex. Mm. That was funny. Jordy, who's like, is this your idea of sex? And he says, this is sex. It's not foreplay. This is part of the sex. I was like, oh, okay. Maybe we should be looking away or something. Can we be seeing this? <laughs> it's kind of intimate. It's another hide your kids moment. Yeah, they're growling at each other. I mean, getting hot and heavy. Uh, right there on the bridge. Everyone's fantasy. And we know Riker has had sex on the bridge. Oh, yeah. Come it's, on. It's happened. Right in the captain's chair. That's hot. So everyone refuses their gifts. One by one. All the faith Picard had in Riker. Everyone else acquits themselves perfectly admirably yes and not him the refusal from his friends which is really what they are right makes Riker realize how bad he's being and this is not for him this is not meant to be as a human so he refuses Qness. that also means q has failed his mission yeah and he's in trouble he's in big trouble yeah he kind of gets whisked away and seems scared he does. He's genuinely terrified at the prospect of having to face the rest of the queue. Yeah. And then he vanishes in a scream of, no! Mm, yeah. So it's a typical villain non-ending. Yes. Where they get whisked off, they're in trouble, but we know they'll be back and they'll be fine. <laughs> and we are looking forward to the next Q episode for sure. Riker's like, I feel so stupid that I acted like this. And Picard is just like, yes, you should. 
I didn't write down exactly what he said, but it was biting. Then they just carry on. You know they're going to talk about this later. They are. Because they just go right back into action because all the crew is there. And, you know, Picard doesn't want to undercut Riker, (laughs) I think, any more than he's already undercut himself today. Yes. Data is the one who refuses Riker's gift before he gives it. Yes. Instead of handing it back over. Riker tries to convince him, you know, just be a human. That's what you want. Data says, I must decline. He says he wouldn't have earned it. It would never feel right. I thought that was a great character moment for Data, showing that although he really does desire to be a human, and that's a great affirmation to us as that's his goal, he doesn't want to get it by some magical power waved in his direction. He really wants to earn it, which is a very human quality. He wants to become human on the inside, even though he can't physically be human through his own ability and study. Are you ready to rate the episode? I am. When I saw this episode had Q in it, I was very excited. There were a few jarring moments that really threw me out of the story. I also think it would have been more interesting to have not a two-parter, but a few-episode arc where everything is going on and everything's trying to be normal, but Riker is trying to live with his powers and reconcile having powers. And everyone else is just trying to carry on before he realizes finally it's just not meant to be. They had to wrap that up very quickly. The character development they did for him in this episode, oh, this is not a bad thing, by the way, was showing weakness more than him growing. Up till now, they've been so much showing him as competent and capable. Here he fails a test. So we see that he has a lot of room to grow. Where Picard is the stable one, everyone else needs to grow up. They're still really young and inexperienced. So overall, for the hilarious cue, I would give this episode 7.5 out of 10 old-fashioned glasses of lemonade. Very nice. Overall, I really liked this episode. I thought it was one of the funniest episodes that we've had so far. I really also liked all the stuff with Q. I agreed that the development of Riker was mostly negative. We got to see that he's not infallible, despite having a great deal of prowess. He does have some room to grow. I really liked all of the Q on the planet and the surreal nature of that. As we've pointed out, the jarring nature of those very awkward lines really also threw me out of the flow of the story. For the quick wrap-up as well, I'm going to have to give this a 7 out of 10 Napoleonic Soldiers. This has been Season 1, Episode 10, Hide and Q. Thank you so much for listening. This is the next Next Generation Podcast. Could be red dust kicked into the blue sky. (laughs) I don't know. But red and blue don't make green. Yellow, sorry. I'm a yellow. Could be yellow dust kicked into the blue sky. Follow us on Twitter. Add us at the next next gen.